Hello, my friends. Today, we're talking to Chad Davis, co-founder and partner at LiveCA LLP. And we discuss how Chad incorporated his borderless lifestyle into the company, how a low-code workflow allows ideas to come to life, and LiveCA's approach to building remote work infrastructure and culture before it was mainstream. All of this right here, right now, on the Modern CTO Podcast. This is the Modern CTO Podcast. First thing I want to ask you about is the RV stuff, because I saw your LinkedIn banner image. I want to know if that's like your actual setup or, or an advertisement, because it's beautiful. The banner is true. Uh, we've been kind of traveling for the better part of five years now. Nice. And started in 2018. That has been like the precipice for a lot of the the fun stuff we get to do as a family. So we, we tend to spend six months in Canada and six months in the US. Yeah, there's definitely some sensationalism out there about, you know, living in a van or living in a trailer. You kind of roll your eyes at some people who make it seem like it's the best thing in the world. There's no such thing as the best thing in the world. There's just whatever's right <laughs> for you at this time in your life. Yeah, that's awesome, man. So Tell me a little bit about your background. How did your career get to where you're at now? So the bullet points are a CPA in Canada, moved to the Cayman Islands to make more money because when you get designated, that's kind of what you do. Spent half a decade there, came back, created a company that helped companies in Canada move to the cloud from an accounting and finance perspective. That turned in to a larger company, which is 110 people now. And over wow. the course of that sort of decade, uh, my business partner, Josh Swag and I have had lots of exposure to things that we never had in other parts of our lives. And we've never done this before. So it has been really fun being able to not just experiment, but give other people a lot of opportunity along the way to do what they were sort of called to do. That's really cool. So you're at a company called LiveCA today. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Sure. So that's our chartered accounting company. So the LiveCA LLP up in Canada. What we're trying to do is be the finance team for sort of scaling or growing companies that are a little over $2 million in revenue or have some complexity. And we're essentially their finance team. So if you were to put into a bite-sized you know, audio chunk, it's a finance team for less than the price of a full-time hire. Very cool. So is it kind of like outsourcing the CFO role or like, is it more than accounting? Yeah, a lot of a lot of tech companies have different needs when it comes to accounting. So some need a lot of tax, cross-border work, international tax work, bookkeeping, accounts payable, payroll. I mean, this is riveting stuff. Uh, but it's all it's it's all it's all necessary. So there's yeah. you know there's a group of a lot of sort of like forward thinking accountants that um, are are trying out new tools and being able to offer services in a way that they haven't been able to do that in the past. And we latched onto a few of them, and I'm hoping we get to talk about that sometime on you know a tech podcast. But we've done that, and it's been able to allow us to work with some pretty forward thinking companies that need a little bit more sophistication in their back office. Well, I got good news for you, Chad. We're on a tech podcast right now. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> so what are what are some of these cool tools that you're utilizing at your company? <laughs> yeah, so some of the things that we're, we're helping companies out with is is their core accounting, but also reporting, working with automations. Hopefully one of the things we get to chat about is the fact that we created a development team right inside of the accounting firm so that we're able to offer custom applications and automations and new workflows that we haven't been able to to do in the past. So if we're throwing out some things like that where you know we're we're heavy into the the, the sort of low code world with like Bubble and Airtable and Tegramat and, and Zapier and all that kind of fun stuff. But also from an accounting perspective, we latched on pretty early to a company called Zero. And that has allowed us to sort of focus in on one tool. And from there, we were able to double down on the expertise that it requires and make sure that our team members are trained up and it's all just on sort of one platform. So you're kind of looking at a, a team that has deep, deep, deep knowledge into this sort of global international accounting tool, which allows us to serve companies in different countries and across different industries. Yeah, that's really cool. Because I mean, I got to interview Zero's CTO a little while ago. And that was one of the things we were talking about, like the international reach and what an advantage that was. So what does it look like building your developer team within an accounting firm. So when you say you're able to double down on your on the expertise of zero, does that mean you've been sourcing developers that's like a prerequisite having worked with like the zero API before? It's it's almost the opposite. So I know this is a highly like technical audience. So I might get a little a little flack for this, but <laughs> being able to not be a .net or a, a python or just like any type of traditional developer and pick up some tools and be exposed to so many issues amongst our customers and being able to say, okay, I actually just need this data from this one tool and pushing it over into the accounting system like this. Because the company that built the integration missed the bi-directional nature of it, or they missed the attachment, or they don't allow for custom notes, or they don't allow for custom tax stuff. We are able to now take our accounting expertise and like that deep knowledge of zero or any tool really that relates back to to to, to sort of finance and move things around using Integromat, incredibly easy, or N8N or Parabola or Zapier. And anything that we can't do or we want to turn it into a program, our team will create an actual application inside of Bubble and we'll have all of our API calls from the right systems right in there and we can use all of the data completely filtered however we want to filter it if the API doesn't allow for some filters. And we now have this like data set that we can do whatever we want with. And without getting into like too much, it allows us to create new revenue cycles, new relationships with customers and our team was actually able to pick up this skill set because they were highly technical and sort of like the first hire for this department you know was a bookkeeper to start and then moved into like a trainer on you know zero and dext and fathom and all of these other financial tools and he was able to pick up bubble and pick up how to make api calls and now we've got hundreds of automations and apps that we release out to our customers and, and actually like maintain and use as a different revenue source. 
That's awesome. I mean, it makes sense that the department started with a subject matter expert that would usually be the person that the developers need to consult, but just doing it the other way around where they started it and they're now training the developers seems like a pretty, while not the norm, logical workflow to me. That's really cool. So what was like time-wise, when did you start building out this development team within your company? It's funny how things happen because one person gets an itch and they scratch it by trying a whole bunch of stuff. And that lasted for probably six months. And I was lucky that that was me because I don't think if I had a boss per se, they would let me spend six months and learn a whole new, <laughs> a whole new sort of skill set. But when that happened, it was during the pandemic. And whether it was in 2020 or early 2021, I, I sort of forget. But we've been able to ramp this up to you know five people on our team that are sort of dedicated to building now within a year, about about a year. And it just is it's a testament to this idea of like low code work. And there are a ton of issues that we still have to like to work through. And there's all kinds of platform risk and and other things that people a lot smarter than me are, are, are aware of. However, validation and checking to see if like something's possible and then maybe doubling down later on something in a more traditional de- development environment is totally possible. Yeah. We just haven't hit there that yet because everything that we've tried has been enough for the clients to like not have to spend, you know, a half of a full-time body on an admin task. <laughs> Or now they can get (laughs) things quicker. It snowballs into some pretty good efficiencies. And I think you'll see more service-based firms getting into product like this because there is almost an unlimited source of problems to solve in a service-based company. Yeah, absolutely. And talking about like trading half of a full-time employee's time for like just a product solution, that's like absolutely where where I've been spending my time thinking about recently doing the podcast production services for companies. Yeah, I'm a big believer in outsourcing anything that is not your company's core competency and just doubling down on what you are actually uniquely equipped to do. Do you have any experience in the work that you're doing now in the podcast production around that kind of kind of low code no code automation work that you're kind of either excited that you're using or about to be excited about because you're you're just waiting for the right time to try it out. Well, like I set some up a while ago as far as automations for, you know, using Zapier when a meeting is booked to trigger a bunch of different other things that happen within the company so everyone's notified, added to it, those kinds of things. That's kind of like a little bit of fun coding logic, I guess. But honestly, my exposure to low-code, no-code has mainly been on the podcast because we talk to people about it every once in a while. Like recently, I got to interview Vaughn Thurman at a company called High Gear. And he was so passionate about the space. It was a really fun conversation because they make a no-code configurable software, which 
he educated me on the differences between a low-code platform, no-code platform, and no-code configurable software, and how a couple years ago there was all this hype that suddenly everybody's going to be a citizen developer making software, and the results didn't quite come out to that. It's still not everybody's cup of tea to have like the engineering mindset that it takes, even though you're not actually writing code. And so there's this space in the market for no-code configurable software to empower people to customize and design processes for specific tasks that used to be a developer's job and not a fun job for a developer. <laughs> so it's like a little more focused than the broad platforms. But sorry, you had a short question. I had a long answer. I do like low-code, no-code. I think it's pretty exciting. <laughs> no, this is good. It, you, you reminded me of a, of a topic, you don't know what you don't know. And sometimes if you do think you know, you really don't know. And <laughs> the person that kind of bridged the gap and is still bridging, and we're really happy we're still working with them, is a company out of Pittsburgh called uh, Lost Sheep Advisory. And it's run by a, a man named Brian Alderman. And what Brian's been doing for us over the last year is sort of building out our internal tools uh, in what we call like our hub, which allows us to have a sales process and a marketing process and an onboarding process and client portals and like tools that we need to run the firm on. And he's sort of building that infrastructure, teaching our team how to use it. But he has a very, you know, security, privacy rule type mindset database design and optimization and he like he came from the background of product management and API management and stuff like that so he's a very broad skill set that when introduced into this sort of low code world of of bubble he's able to take an idea and quickly not break things whereas if we took an idea we would absolutely be breaking things <laughs> cuz he's put in the work of breaking things before. So that's how you learn how to not break, fi- break And he's things. a developer, right? So he's, yeah. he's, a, he's a programmer and he is, he's lived that life. And he, he kind of, I don't know if there's like a switch you make, but he, you know, similar to the, the gentleman you just mentioned at, at High Gear, like incredibly excited about the space. And every day we're making changes that I can only imagine would take a lot longer in a sort of traditional development environment and we're able to iterate and to you know add new pages and add new floating groups and new database types just in an instant and test it and make sure it works and yeah super 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 happy so i'm curious where do you get the sort of inspiration to come up with ideas for what you want to do in the in the podcasting space like the tech behind it you mentioned you did some zaps how did you get to like learning about that type of stuff i mean Honestly, it's just being frustrated about something and wanting to not be frustrated about doing that task every day anymore. You know, researching, finding a way to automate it. Yeah. So if I'm good at making a podcast and I have to spend a bunch of time on some monotonous task, that's not that. That's kind of losing money for the company. Yeah. I w- I was in a similar situation and there's no substitute for just trying to build something and then just getting completely frustrated. So I took the mindset of like, okay, if I could hire somebody off of Fiverr or Upwork 
to teach me one specific skill that I'm running into from a roadblock, I'm going to be that much further ahead because the worst I'm out is 50 or 100 or 200 bucks. Best case, I figure it out myself and it takes like two or three days. And like, what a waste of time that would have been, right? So I bet you I probably paid, I don't know, like $2,000 for education of doing these quick $25, you know, help sessions with people in Ukraine and Pakistan and Russia and Belgium and Romania and India and the UK and the US and like actually met Australia. Like zero is really big in Australia. So one of the issues I was running into is like, how do I actually use like JSON and like iterations and make to like put line items on an invoice? And I'm like, I don't know. There's not that many resources out there that you know teach you how to do this completely customizable. So literally paid like 75 bucks and this guy from Australia walked me through how to do it. Mm-hmm. And it's just cool that there's so many different types of resources for education. And I, when I was kind of also searching during that time, I was like, there are a bunch of automation podcasts and some of them are like very Airtable focused and some of them are great YouTube channels and some of them are, you know, interviews with like people that are running those platforms, but I couldn't find a ton that were like, give me a specific problem and here's how you can possibly solve it and like riff, riff off of ideas with somebody. So I'm not a professional podcaster by any means, but I did start one up with a buddy of mine named Jason Stats. And on the podcast Automation Town, which is one word, that's what we do. We take a problem and then we surprise each other with the topic and one person knows exactly how they fix it and the other one just riffs and tears the other one apart and makes fun of them or comes up with a better idea. <laughs> so we're, we're, we're doing you know a few episodes so far and uh, I have a lot of fun with that. That's awesome. Yeah, I love that concept for the podcast. I really like just the concept of one person coming in knowledgeable and the other person coming in cold just like a tried and true fun thing on shows. Um, <laughs> yeah, and and like we're, I know I'm not an editor. Uh, Jason's got some skills there, but we ended up hiring someone to do the editing too. So I, I can really appreciate the service that you're you're offering. And our editor, Paul Amara, works with some pretty cool other things on the internet. And just when you when you listen to it, you'll see like this, to be an audio engineer but then play around with podcasts. It's really fun. And it's not as like super serious, but he puts a lot of effort into it and we really appreciate it. He does a great job. That's awesome. That's really cool. So I want to talk to you a little bit about this leadership topic that I am curious to hear your perspective on because I'm pretty uneducated on it. Where I've seen you've talked about being borderless at your company. And so does, does that mean like, being international as an organization or just not siloing your teams or or is it both like a broad high level idea can you educate me a little bit sure so when Josh and I first met my my business partner there we we both didn't want to have an office uh, he was overseas and and I was in Canada and being remote these days is nothing special but in 2012 and 2013 uh, for a CPA firm to be remote, there were a lot of legal challenges related to that 
when there are provincial borders or state borders with licensure issues. So we've worked over the last 10 years with those people and with the government bodies to be able to to operate above board. And like that is a really great position to be in when you're sort of pushing the profession forward and sort of helping other accountants that want to do the same thing have the legal means to do that. So now we're able to work with accountants all across the country. And again, the spreading out of where people are pretty much follows the population graph of Canada where you know the majority are either in like British Columbia, Ontario, and Alberta, and then the rest are kind of spread out. Nice. That's really cool. So you were remote before the pandemic. Did the past two years functionally change much at your business? Yeah, I mean, it functionally changed much for probably everybody. <laughs> um, you know, we had lost a lot of revenue because companies were no longer alive. Yeah. Or they couldn't afford it or something. But then there was this whole other group of companies who maybe were with more traditional CPA firms that would use desktop systems or something that wasn't online like Xero is. And because they would be researching online accounting tools and they would maybe pick Zero over you know other ones in the market, they would see that we were sort of right at the top of the list of, of, of larger firms that were using it and they would reach out. So there's a advisory, partner advisory kind of search that you can go on to the accounting website for Zero and kind of put where you're at or what type of accountant you want and a bunch will pop up. So I think with some research, you can you can tell that you know the typical firm that uses zero is a little bit more forward thinking because they they want everything online and they want access to the API and they want the integrations with all the other tools. And that's probably why people were were seeking out us and our services because there was this element of, hey, you've been doing this for almost a decade. You've probably figured out how to do this because you have a larger team than than maybe just just a couple could we possibly like discuss what it's like to either take what was a in-person job and switch it to an outsourced position or could we switch firms and what does that switch look like that's really cool that by being good at using zero and your partnership there that was like a strength during the pandemic so i mean how did that driver of wanting to be able to work from anywhere impact the way you wanted to structure your business? Yeah, it was like super selfish, right? Because, <laughs> um, you know, in the beginning it was like, I hey, work from your basement. Then it was, oh, I could probably work while I traveled a bit. And then it's like, oh, wait, that's not healthy. Probably shouldn't work while you're traveling if, if you really tried to disconnect. And then you're like, oh, wait a minute, probably do like extended trips. Okay, let's do an extended trip. And just because it's what I wanted doesn't mean that it gets, no one anybody else wanted either. I think that was a huge draw before the pandemic was being able to say, hey, you can take longer trips, you can work from anywhere, you can move. So like we were really popular with spouses that were in the military or with like companies that moved people around a lot and families needed some stability, academia, like that kind of stuff. And I think what happened was when the experience isn't horrible and it's something new, you get a sort of reputation. And that reputation is like, oh, maybe this is a place worth trying because there's opportunity 
for people because you get to work with some pretty, pretty interesting companies. There's opportunity for career progression. There's remote. There's really supportive people. And really that's what keeps people in jobs typically is like opportunity and good people to work around and, and not a toxic boss that's making you do horrible things. <laughs> so, you know, the, the bar is kind of low, uh, but at the same time, it's, it's, it's kind of high. And that's what I kind of liked about the pandemic was that it pushed everybody into this mindset of like, what is right for me? And if the company isn't right for you, then you, you make a decision to move on. And companies could no longer ignore remote. And I remember for years, we would be touted as like, oh, look at this one company <laughs> who's operating <laughs> remotely. Uh, as in, in Yeah, a sort especially of, in accounting. In accounting, right? Yeah. And, and then you're like, oh yeah, well, that's just a fad. That, that They'll get an office eventually. And then the pandemic hit and you know, we're the ones that were, we just had the infrastructure in place. So employees who were looking for something stable, we now became the stable option in a world where we were the unstable one, you know, six months prior. And that just boggles my mind when you think about it. Yeah. And to the point that the bar is raised. I mean, I never want to go back to not remote work. Yeah. The stuff that we were able to do inside of a year is like mind boggling to me. And with a little bit of like focus and time, I'm like super excited to see what sort of the next year or two looks like. And right now, we were able to take a company that was, they were already on zero and they were using, I think they were using like something called Spotlight Reporting or something like that. And they had a good relationship with their accountant, but they couldn't make things work because they had hundreds of developers. That's kind of why I'm sharing this because they're kind of developer friendly. Yeah. They, had, they had a ton of developers, like hundreds of them, submitting invoices in their own different ways on different timelines. And they needed a way to manage where the developers were working. So they would essentially place developers in different like Fortune 500 companies. And like, the old accounting firm would do accounting, but they wouldn't think about the, the operational side of what it looks like to build something that works like for the people. So what we ended up doing was inside of Airtable as a proof of concept, we created tables for customers, tables for projects, tables for like vendors, like the actual developers. And now... Like the developers, we turned this into a bubble app eventually once the proof of concept was good. But we were able to have them be reminded of when they needed to submit their bills for what projects. We were able to control the billing so that if their invoices were not according to the project specs, it would calculate and tell us. It would send off the zero, sorry, it would send off the a copy of the bills plus all the right taxes and information into the like the accounting system. And then we could automate the bill pay based on like project completion and due dates. And then we were also able to automate the creation of invoices inside of Zero based on timelines of the project in Airtable. And then what that ended up doing was like it removed their need to have a few employees. And then they ended up putting those employees into sort of sales positions their sales increased and they didn't have to worry about that sort of infrastructure of managing all of these bills and invoices. And now they have like 
the ability to forecast out, but also have a direct line of sight between their accounting department, sorry, their accounting system and like the back end stuff. And all we did was use Integramat or Make Now, Airtable, and like a little bit of like Zero's API stuff that that we kind of custom custom built from their API docs. And we're sitting on a customer now who's like there for life. And they have like a huge appreciation for like bridging the gap between just like standard compliance service stuff and like actually caring about their problem and being able to build around it. And I just wanted to share that because it's like super developer related. It's quick yeah. to it's quick to implement. And I bet you it was built inside of a week and just iterated and iterated and then turned into an app once they realized how powerful it could be. That's really cool. So that's like a strength of your service that you offer, or do you like sell that bubble app as a product? Yeah, I think the short answer is yes, we sell the app <laughs> to them, but then we can also sell it to other companies in similar positions. We haven't done that yet, but that's the goal, right? Is to put infrastructure into place that is like repeatable, but to be able to identify the problems and actually care, even though you might not be getting paid specifically to care. I think is the difference between like how we're able to work with bigger companies and not tend to work with with smaller ones because we we do want them to be able to pay for these types of services and and not feel stretched. That is another whole conversation around like ability to pay versus like need and a lot of smaller companies when they're starting off have a lot of tech needs and maybe just Use the accounting system for what it was meant to be used for, and then as soon as you know you want to start investigating stuff, they can play around with Zapier and Integromat. But yeah, uh, but eventually having some people on your side that like know accounting and and tech is is pretty powerful. Well, I think that's a really cool success story to wrap up on. Before we close out the recording, is there any extra shout out you want to make for your company or your podcast or? Anything you want to get out to the world? Um, the website for our firm is liveca, L-I-V-E-C-A dot C-A. And again, we're, we're trying to be that finance team for less than the price of a full-time hire. And the podcast is, uh, you can make fun of it all you want. And please tell me like how we can make it better. It's called Automation Town. And again, that's one word. And it's on all the podcast players. And that's hosted with Jason Stats and all of the the links to that kind of stuff you can find in the podcast players. And again, just I know we've mentioned zero a lot here, but like that's what the firm was built on. And a lot a lot of the success here is is owed to is owed to them for being able to just consistently innovate. And that's what I that's what I hope, you know, the next decade looks like as well. And we're just excited to be along for the ride and kind of be that that zero firm that uh, that bigger companies can can use. Thank you so much for listening. And if you found this episode useful, please share it with a friend or a colleague who you think would get value from it. And if you have topics that you'd like to hear discussed on the podcast, either add me on LinkedIn or send me an email, joel at moderncto.io. Every time I get an email or LinkedIn message, it absolutely makes my day and inspires me to keep going.